I took the lead. Where's a good station? Somebody's heart. Glorious. Glorious. Amen. Guardians of Grace. What's wrong? Welcome to the Guardians of Grace podcast. Relax. You have found the right place. We're here to serve. Join us. Holding to pure grace. Again. Relax. Join in with us. Listen on. Be blessed. Fenders of Grace. Hello again, everyone, and welcome to another edition of the Guardians of Grace podcast. My name's Bill, and I'm here with longtime friend and guardian of the grace, Guard Dog Steve. What a privilege it is to be called Guard Dog. You know, we need to extend that privilege. To everybody, yes, yes. What did we say? What is it? What do you got to do to get a guard dog card? Let's create a way in which people can become guard dogs. Get your own wallet size guard dog, Guardians of Grace guard dog card. Yeah. I think you got to... That will email you. Yeah. You can print it. And yeah, it. you can print it. Put it in your pocket. Um, or wear it no, on your shirt. No, How about to email in to... Anti-legalism. Emails. Give yeah. us two anti-legalistic emails and you are an official guard dog. We're making policy tonight, buddy. Giddy up. Giddy up. That's it. Okay. All so, right. Then we'll let the dogs out. We'll let the dogs out. <laughs> well, last week and the week before, we did we podcasted on the cohortative purpose of God. Yes, we did. The unstoppable, unshakable, unbreakable, gonna happen no matter what cohortative purpose of God. And maybe we'll get a little review, but we did get a question too. We got that question. Good question. It was a good question because... Apparently, there's a bit of dilemma in Galatians 3, 8. There sure is, once you notice it. It's, it's wild. Do you happen to know it off the top of your head? Yeah. Let me do a recap and bring us to the point, and then I'll make the point. We did the last two podcasts on the idea of what it would be like to live like Abraham did and not live under the law. And we showed all the examples of how God just orchestrated things to keep Abraham on target. God worked through Abraham, worked around Abraham, did everything he needed to do to keep his cohortative purpose in line through Abraham, but never punished him. Just kept going with or without his cooperation. With or without his cooperation and never punishing him for not cooperating uh, and we're talking about falling on your face and laughing at God <laughs> it was amazing how many kings would just murder you right there on the spot if you laughed at the king he would just believe God and then a moment later he's up he's back in unbelief yes yes 
And then we looked at how Romans chapter 4 saw Abraham. God saw Abraham as somebody who was just flawless. Can just, you read some of those? Yeah. Never wavering in yeah. faith? Let me, let me read that. Okay, here we go. We're, we're talking about reading Romans chapter 4, starting in, in maybe verse 17 or 18. But let me just say, we're reading about Abraham, the person who had sex with his maid, gave his wife up to have sex with another king, fell on his face and laughed at God. His wife fell on her face and laughed at God. Couldn't follow instructions. They did terrible things, perverted things. Having sex with your maid? What wife would do such a thing? In doubting all the way. But look at what God says about Abraham in Romans 4, 4.17 to be specific. As it is written, a father of many nations I have made you in the sight of him who believed even God who gives life to the dead and calls things which do not exist as existing, calls things that aren't there, aren't happening as they are happening. They do exist. And then it describes Abraham. In hope against hope, he believed in order that he might become the father of many nations, according to that which had been spoken, so shall your descendants be. And without becoming weak in faith, he contemplated his own body, now as good as dead since he was about a hundred years old, and the deadness of Sarah's womb, he did not waver in unbelief, God says about Abraham, but he grew strong in faith, God says about Abraham. It says, he being fully assured that what God had promised God would be able to perform. Therefore, it was reckoned to him as right. I know, it's just funny. It's absurd. It's absurd. It didn't, it was, it didn't happen. No, but here's what it goes on to say. Now, this is written not only for the sake of Abraham, but for your sake also, to you whom it will be reckoned as righteousness. He's saying it's for your sake. He gave you an example of a guy that lived like a Yahoo, and he told his story. His testimony about Abraham was that he was unwavering in faith. Just a model, a model Christian is how God saw Abraham, and he's saying, I'm writing this for your benefit so that you would see this example of how I see Abraham and know that I see you the same way as holy and blameless in my sight. Not wavering in faith. Even though you've had a very bad day. That is encouraging. That is I'm glad it was written. I'm glad it was written, yes. Yes, Because I true. have to keep rereading it because it seems too good to be true. Right, right. It's almost hard to believe. And actually, it was so good 
in Galatians, it's actually all called the gospel. Yes, and that's where we should go, is to Galatians. It looks to me like you're getting there first. Do you, do you want to go ahead and read it? Yeah, I'll start in Galatians 3. I'm going to start at verse 6, since we're talking about Abraham. Okay. Just as Abraham believed God, and it was credited to him for righteousness, then those understand this, that those who have faith are Abraham's seed. Now the scriptures saw in advance that God would justify the Gentiles by faith and told the gospel news ahead of time to Abraham, saying all nations will be blessed through you. Wait a minute, wait. This is something that everybody overlooks and it makes this statement in Galatians fantastic unbelievable statement that was made in Galatians and I'll tell you why it said the scriptures foretold this gospel to Abraham but but the scriptures have not been written yet <laughs> and it calls the scriptures, the, the Bible, the book, foretold to Abraham that the gospel. Right. Yeah, the script, it says the scriptures and they hadn't been written yet. Why would he, Paul, use that word, the scriptures foretold to Abraham when they hadn't been written yet? It, it's just, just throws a monkey wrench in, in your mind. That was the question, Steve. How, yeah. how can this be? That was the question that we received this week. How can the scriptures be foretelling something to Abraham when they had not been written? This actually personifies the scriptures. It makes them a living entity. That's what needs... Let's answer her question. Yeah. It's, it's indescribable. Having a hard time coming up with words. That, that's what indescribable means, Bill. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> thank you. So let's describe it. Yeah, let's try and answer this question that was mentioned. We have a clue from Galatians 3 on what was said that he calls the gospel, that all nations will be blessed through you, yes. it says in Galatians. And we saw that the blessing from last week, the review, was the gift of righteousness. Yes. And the promise was the Holy Spirit. So it says we have the same blessing of Abraham, getting credit for righteousness, getting credit for following God's purpose all the way through Genesis, the Even way he though was. Abraham never did. But we get that same blessing. blessing. Yes. That's the supreme blessing of God. Yes. Is that not only are your sins not counted against you, but you're actually credited with living a righteous life. And then the promise comes a little later in Galatians 3, and the promise was the Holy Spirit. Now, the Holy Spirit, as we've said all the time, was the, the promise that God could, through the Holy Spirit, could do for you what you could not do for yourself. And that's actually to live out a life of faith, live out an exemplary Christian life that one that you're not ashamed of. Right. Actually, toe the line. That the life, 
the righteous life you're credited for is actually the one you're actually living to. But you have no ability to live that. Abraham had no ability to live that because he didn't really have the spirit no. then. No. But God's purpose and plan was carried along. And then Paul blows our mind saying that the scriptures announce this gospel, this good news to Abraham in advance. Let's look at couple thousand years in it. Yes. Let's go back to Genesis and and look at just exactly what Paul was talking about in Galatians. Paul was alluding to this passage that I'm going to read. It's in Genesis 15. It says, After these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision, saying, Do not fear, Abram. I am your shield, I am your reward. And Abram said, O Lord God, what wilt thou give me since I am childless? There's the man of great faith again. Yeah, let's just stop for a second because there's a lot in this. There's an immediate question. Yeah. After these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision saying, do not fear. Did the word come to Abram audibly or did he see something? It does say vision. So he did see something. Yeah. Yeah. It would be fair to say a sighting. But there's a dilemma there, Steve. There is a dilemma. Let me go ahead and read the rest of this passage. And Abraham said, O Lord God, what will thou give me since I am childless? And Abraham said, Since thou hast given no offspring to me, one born in my house may be my heir. Then the word of the Lord, the word of the Lord that he said, O Lord, he called the word of the Lord God. But let's get into how heavy these scriptures are. He called the word of the Lord God, this word that evidently you could see. So he says, but one who shall come forth from your own body will be your heir. And then it says, and he took Abraham outside and said, now look towards the heaven and count the stars if you are able. He took Abraham outside. He is a male figure that Abraham called Lord, capital L. And he led him outside. Yes. And if this passage isn't interesting enough, when you actually get a revelation of what is being said here, we're going to spice things up by showing you a couple extra verses. Verses like Exodus 33:20, somewhere around in there. Yeah, about I start in 18. Okay. This is a request from Moses to God. Moses says, please let me see your glory. And then God answers. I will cause all my goodness to pass in front of you, and I will proclaim the the name I am before you. 
I will be gracious to whom I will be gracious, and I will have compassion on whom I will have compassion. But then he answered, But you cannot see my face, for no one can see me and live. No one can see me and live. You can't see God face to face and live. Let's go to some other examples. Let's go to one before Moses had that warning. Yes. Okay. Okay. Let's land in Genesis 16, maybe starting in verse 6. This is where Sarah allowed Abraham to have sex with the maid Hagar. And then Sarah began to treat Hagar harshly because she was jealous that Hagar was going to have a child. So Hagar split. She leaves town. And the angel of the Lord catches up with her. So the angel of the Lord finds her and says to her, Return to your mistress and submit yourself to her authority. Moreover, the angel of the Lord said to her, I will greatly multiply you and your descendants so that they will be too many to count. The angel of the Lord said to her further, Behold, you are with child. You're pregnant now. And you will bear a son, and you shall call his name Ishmael, because the Lord has given heed to your affliction. He will be a wild donkey of a man. He will hand will be against everyone, and everyone's hand will be against him. And he will love, live to the east of all his brothers. Then she called the name of the Lord who spoke to her, You are the God who sees. For she said, I have seen and remain alive even after seeing him. Wow. Wow, there it is. She, she says, I saw God and lived. lived. How can you see God and live? When it was told to Moses, no one can see my face and live. Yes. But she did. Yes. How can an angel of the Lord all of a sudden be the Lord in blessing people and giving prophecies about them? Where does the angel get off doing that and telling her that she's pregnant? Saying things only God would be allowed to say. Exactly. Exactly. And she said, you're gone. The angel of the Lord was God. So it begs the question, how could the angel of the Lord be God? How could the word of the Lord be God? How could the word of the Lord come to somebody and speak and they go, oh, Lord God, they start calling this person God. And they're allowed to see him and, and live. How can they see him and live? Because the reason they're allowed to do that, Steve, is because the word of the Lord, the angel of the Lord, the messenger of the Lord is Jesus. Didn't Jesus say that to the Pharisees when Amen. they said in John chapter 8, he said, Be, I tell you the truth, before Abraham was, I am. He said, Abraham rejoiced at my day. At the day that they were talking, Abraham was rejoicing. That's exactly. Say that again. Yes. At the day that the word of the Lord and Abraham were talking, Jesus says Abraham was rejoicing. 
And they said, you are not yet 30 years old, and you were before Abraham. Right. And they said that you were before Moses. Yes. And you Now you're before Abraham. Yes. And he says, I tell you the truth, before Abraham was, I, I am. Ego, I me. The name of God. God. I am. That's why they wanted to stone him. That's he what claimed it. to be the I am that was talking to Abraham. Even in the New World Translation, which the Jehovah's Witnesses claim that Jesus never claimed to be God, there John 8, 58 says, I am. Echo, I mean. You remember in John chapter 5 where Jesus says, You diligently search the scriptures because in them you think there's eternal life. But I'm telling you the scriptures testify of me. The Old Testament testifies of me. That passage that we were looking at in Genesis 16 was testifying about Jesus, just like he said. All through the Old Testament. In fact, there's a scene I wanted to hit here. It's in Luke 24. And two of the disciples are on the road to Emmaus. It's called the On the Road to Emmaus story. Because they were on the road to Emmaus. <laughs> I you just knew made that, that was that coming, huh? <laughs> but him they did not see, and he said to them, O foolish men, and slow of heart, to believe in all that the prophets had spoken. Was it not necessary for the Christ to suffer these things and to enter his into his glory? Then, verse 27 beginning with Moses and with all the prophets he explained to them these things concerning himself in the scriptures they said to one another were not our hearts burning within us while he was speaking to us on the road while he was explaining the scriptures to us that's exactly what my heart did when I began looking at these scriptures and began realizing that the scriptures were talking about Jesus. So, beginning with Moses and the prophets and the Psalms, he opened their minds to understand the scriptures. Well, if you have the scriptures called Moses and the prophets... There's no other scriptures. It's that's all, all of the old, them. All the Old Testament. So, he's saying from Genesis to, to Malachi... yes. Every bit of it is written about him. The scriptures are testifying to him. And it blesses my heart when I see all these stories in the Old Testament and I can now read them through this lens and my mind is open to the fact that it's actually Jesus that these scriptures are talking about. And we'll go back and look at a couple more examples. I am. Look at verse 45 again. Let me read it again. Then he open their minds to understand the scriptures. Amen. And again, let me just mention the John chapter 5 where he says, the scriptures testify about me. All the Old Testament testifies about him, just like he pointed out to the disciples that all those scriptures were testifying about him. I'm thinking of John 14 where Peter says, Show us the Father, 
And Jesus says, have I been with you so long? If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Wow. That, that if you've seen Jesus, you have seen the Father. That is why in the Old Testament, they could say, I've seen God and I live. Because they saw God the Son, not God the Father, but God the Son. They saw what the scholars call a Christophany. It's Jesus that all these scriptures are pointing to. Otherwise, they don't make sense. We'll go back to one, and you're going to see, unless you realize that it's Jesus, the scripture, the passage doesn't make sense. Every bit of that was hidden from them. Hidden from them. Hidden from the people that memorized the whole Old Testament. Yes. The Psalms, the prophets, and Moses. Because there was a veil over their eyes if they were reading it through legalistic eyes. They searched it diligently. Yes. Thinking that they would have his life. Right. But they wouldn't come to him. No, they would not. They just didn't see that the scriptures were testifying about Jesus. They hadn't had their mind open like he did for the disciples when he said he opened their mind. That's what it takes to see how blatantly obvious it is that those scriptures are talking about Jesus. But Paul says, sees it. The writer of Hebrews sees it. In Hebrews 1, it says, doesn't it say he's the radiance of God's glory, the exact representation of his being? Yes. That was the vision that Ezekiel got when he saw the glory of the Lord in uh, Ezekiel 1. And then in Ezekiel 3, he says... The glory of the Lord came to him again, and the glory of the Lord took him by the river. And he said, I will meet you by the Kibar River. And then he said, I saw the glory of the Lord standing on the Kibar River, the same glory that I saw in chapter 1 by the Kibar River, which was the word of the Lord. And he's the angel of the Lord. He's the angel of the Lord over and over throughout the Old Testament. He's the word of the Lord throughout the the Old Testament. He's the rare sighting of the word of the Lord. Remember that in, uh, was that Samuel? Yeah, I think we should look at it. Yeah. And now with this new lens, you'll see how obvious it is that he's speaking about Jesus. We'll go back there to Samuel. Okay, I'm looking at 1 Samuel chapter 3, starting in verse 1. It says, Now the boy Samuel was ministering to the Lord before Eli. The word of the Lord was rare in those days. Visions were infrequent, meaning sightings of the Lord, of the word of the Lord, were infrequent. But the word of the Lord came to Samuel, and Samuel went running to Eli saying, what do you want, Eli, what do you want? And that happened about three or four times. And Eli said to Samuel, go and stay put and says, say to this sound that you're hearing, I'm listening. And so the word of the Lord says to Samuel, behold, I'm about to do a thing in Israel at which both ears of everyone who hears will tingle. 
And then he goes on to explain what he's going to do. This is the first time that Samuel had the word of the Lord revealed to him, had the word of the Lord come to him. Because in verse 21, it says, And the Lord appeared again at Silo, because the Lord revealed himself to Samuel at Silo by the word of the Lord. He came to him as the word of the Lord. Or the scripture. Yes. So every time there was a sighting, which said was rare, it started out. They were seeing the Lord. Every image they saw was of the Lord who is invisible. Doesn't it say that in Colossians 1.15? He is the image of the invisible God. It sure does. The firstborn of all creation. Not that he was born. Right. But he, the firstborn is the one that has the right to redeem his brothers and sisters. Right. For by him all things were created. By the word of the Lord, all things were created. Wasn't everything created, said the Lord? Isn't spoke? that the same thing it says in John chapter 1? In the beginning was the, the word, word, and the word was with, with God. God. And the word was God. God. Do you get it? The word was God. That's why... Jesus could say to Peter, have you been with me so long and you don't realize if you've seen me, you've seen the Father? The word of the God was God. And you could see the word of the Lord and call him God and be afraid that God was going to smite you and God wouldn't because it was God the Son, not God the Father. And so... He was this image of the invisible God. So that's when you see him, you're seeing the Father. And he was the creator of all things. I thought Genesis said God created all things. But he says the exact same words. The scriptures testify about Jesus. Let's go to another place. Let's go where Israel wrestles with God. Another testimony. Another testimony of Jesus. Which he said they all testify about, about me. me. Yeah. Okay, Genesis 32:25. Okay. So it's, it talks about Abraham is wrestling with a man, a man. all night. It's yes. an all night wrestling man. In verse 25, when he saw that he had not prevailed against him, he touched the socket of his thigh, so the socket of Jacob's thigh was dislocated while he was wrestling with him. Then he said, let me go for the dawn is breaking. But he said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. So he said to him, what is your name? And he said, Jacob, your name shall no longer be Jacob, but Israel. For you have striven with God and with men and have prevailed. Then Jacob asked him and said, please tell me your name. But he said, why is it that you ask my name? And he blessed them there. So Jacob named the place Peniel, for he said, I have seen God face to face and lived. How does a human being see God face to face and still lives? When Moses said, you cannot see my face and live. Exactly, exactly. 
he's looking at God the Son, not God the Father. These scriptures are testifying about Jesus. They're Christophanies, as the scholars say. So a Christophany is the answer to the question that we got. Amen. How did the scriptures announce the gospel in advance to Abraham when there wasn't any scripture yet for hundreds of years to come? It was a person. It was the Son of God. It was the angel of the Lord. It was the word of the Lord. It was Christ as the word of the Lord announcing to Abraham in advance It was Christ that wrestled with Jacob. It was Jesus who saw Hagar at the well who had been mistreated. It was the word of the Lord that came to Ezekiel. It was the word of the Lord over and over and over in the Old Covenant, showing up, making appearances, face-to-face appearances. And it was the word of the Lord that appeared to Abraham and announced the gospel, saying, All nations shall be blessed in your seed. That's right. That's why when it says the scriptures announce for him the good news, that's why Jesus could say to those Pharisees, Abraham rejoiced at my day. Yes, because exactly. The See? scriptures were him. He, he was known as the word of God. He is the word of God. In Revelation, he comes back with the mighty thing and word of God on his thigh. and The Logos of God, yes. Yes. And so he always was. He is God. Him and the Father are one. Him and the Father and the Holy Spirit are one. And every time there was a visible appearance, Colossians says he is the image of the invisible God. So they were seeing Jesus. They were seeing Jesus. There's no such thing, actually, as a theophany. That's a sighting of God. The scholars love to use that word, but they don't even realize there's no such thing as that word. Now to him who's immortal, invisible, the only wise God. Mm-hmm. Is that in Second Timothy? Yeah, uh, first. First Timothy, okay. So they have to be seeing Jesus. Mm-hmm. They have to be seeing the word of the Lord. Yes. They have to be seeing a vision. The messenger of the Lord. The messenger of the Lord. The sightings. The sightings, yes. All and those so, things. It just makes the Old Testament just fantastic to read when you actually it's, realize that it's Jesus in there orchestrating and dealing with all those Old Testament characters, and it's saying that Potiphar could see that Joseph had an excellent spirit in him. What do you think that is? The excellent spirit in Joseph was Jesus. You think you're reading a story about Joseph, but you're actually reading about Jesus in Joseph, answering dreams and giving his boss, the Pharaoh, sage advice about the drought and how to save Egypt from disaster. Prophetic spirit of Christ in Joseph. Nothing else. The scriptures testify of Jesus. Over and over and over. Yes. Amen. If they're not types and shadows, it becomes an unveiling of Jesus Christ, which is actually the title of the last book of the Bible. It is the revelation of Jesus Christ, the revelation by Jesus Christ. 
and it's not revelations, plural. plural. It's the revelation, revelation of one to, person. Yeah, yeah. And remember, we were we were answering the question: the Scripture announced the gospel in advance. Yes, that's single. That single. Yeah, that single. Just like the, book the single of Scripture, the revelation is single. And Jesus said, you search the scriptures, plural. Yes. Because you think in them you have life, but they point to me, the single source of eternal life. And so the book of Revelation, the last book of Revelation, and if you miss this, I think I said that earlier, if you miss this, you miss the whole book. It is the revelation of Jesus Christ the unveiling of Jesus Christ which he sent and signified by his angel so it's about him and it's by him and it's signified what would you say signified means you could say signified it's signs. It's it signs, signs about Jesus. The whole book is signs. Yes. Which make big imagery. It's like the golden arches is a sign. The golden arches is not McDonald's. It's a it's sign, sign of, pointing to McDonald's. Yes. That whole book is signified. And it's signified out of things that are in the scriptures. Which the is the old, old the whole Old Testament? So all you, the signs are in the Old Testament, exactly of the thing that's going to be unveiled in the Book of Revelation. Yes, in other words, the whole Old Testament is a veiled hiding of Jesus Christ, not yet unveiled or revealed. It's what the word "revealed" means to un, literally to uncover. Yes, to to unveil. Yeah. It just makes me want to go off, Bill. Can I? Yeah, yeah. Jump on the soapbox. When Bill was saying that those two lines in the first chapter of Revelation were signifying the unveiling of Jesus, that the book of Revelation was about one single topic, Jesus, and unveiling him. Well, guess what? The whole Bible is one single topic. There's not not another topic in the Bible. It's all Jesus. It's one story about one man who came in many different forms. But as Jesus said, the scriptures testify about me. Amen. The book of Acts, he says, I'm writing to you, O excellent Theophilus, about all that Jesus had begun to teach and do. He was dead already. He was going to continue teaching and doing through the book of Acts. The book of Acts should be the book of Acts done by Jesus. That's why Peter said, this guy that you just saw us healed was not healed by our piety or our our goodness. He was healed by the faith of Jesus, the faith of Jesus that was in the disciples. The book of Acts is about the activity of Jesus in the disciples. The Gospels are about Jesus. The Old Testament is about Jesus. The epistles, Christ in you, the hope of glory, Ephesians 
uh, Colossians 1.27. What's that about? Jesus. Galatians, are you so foolish after beginning with the spirit of Jesus? Are you now trying to attain the goal by human effort? Philippians, I will not be put to shame because of your prayers and a supply of the spirit of Jesus. The epistles are all telling us it's all about Jesus in you. If by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, the Spirit of who? Jesus. The one book is about one single person from first page to last. The essence of the Bible is about Jesus. If you're reading something else, your eyes are veiled to the fact of the matter. The fact of the matter is that the story you're reading is telling you about Jesus. From the very first story in the Bible to the very last story in the Bible, it is a book given to humanity about a person called Jesus and what he can do through each one of you. It is telling you, use Jesus. Jesus is the essence of life. He's the essence of your life. He's the essence of spiritual life. He's the essence of the Bible. It's everything. The whole Bible is pointing to Jesus. Jesus is the theme of the Bible. There is no other theme but Jesus. It's Jesus every page that you read. It's all Jesus. It's just incredible. It is a book about one person, and you can learn about him and all his forms that he took, the forms of the scriptures. Jesus saying, if you eat my flesh and drink my blood, what, what that was in the form of the scriptures. If you eat up these words of the scriptures and eat the meat of the word, I, I gave you milk, not solid food, for meat is for the mature. The, the scriptures are seen as food for us. It's all pointing to Jesus. He is, and the moral of the story is, abide in me and I'll abide in you for apart from me, Humanity can do nothing, nothing nothing apart from Jesus. It's Jesus in humanity that makes the planet a beautiful place to live. It's Jesus in each and every one of us. It's Jesus in a town that makes a town a beautiful town to live in. It's Jesus in the government that makes the government whole and sound. It's Jesus from top to bottom and in the end when the big cube comes down to Israel, we'll see that it's all about Jesus. It'll unveil the book of the life of the Lamb and we will be written in that book, another book about Jesus. Jesus is the answer to everything. It's all about him, man. It's just a mind-blowing book when you really understand it. And just to look at where he says, oh, the scriptures testify me. And then you see, oh, the angel is Jesus. The word of the Lord is Jesus. Then you realize, you know what? This whole book is about Jesus. It's just Jesus everywhere. You're blind and misguided if you're not seeing Jesus in every story that you read. It's all about him. That's what the book's about. And it, it's always called a mystery or a secret. But it's not a mystery. mystery anymore. Right. Jesus, or Paul said, I want to tell you the mystery of God, namely Christ. Christ. And what is hidden in Christ? 
all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. They're all there in Christ, in a person. And Christ is in all of them. All those treasures that you see are treasures about him. And once you see this veil is removed, it's awesome. It's awesome. Yeah, I said what I needed to say. I needed to get that out, that it is, because that tells us what the essence of the Bible is about. It's a story about one person from first page to last. And I just want to close us in prayer saying, um, just praying that we would get a revelation of this mystery in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge, Christ in us by God's doing. You've been placed in Christ and he has become your wisdom. Amen. Wisdom is Jesus. Jesus is wisdom. He's the essence of wisdom. Father, let us take root in that. He's the essence of everything that is good about us and every character that we need He is the essence of. He's the essence of that character. So cause us to rely on Christ in us, the hope of glory. Please turn our minds around and let us rely on Jesus. He's in us. It's real. It's a real thing. It's not phony baloney. This this book has been written through 60 different authors, but it's all saying the same thing. How could 60 different people know to... Put one thought together. It's written as these prophets were carried by the Holy Spirit, namely Jesus. And I just want us to get that and make it make it part of your day. How about that? Make Jesus part of your day. That's what I'm hoping for, Lord. Cause them to make Jesus part of their day. In your name, I pray. Amen. Amen. Good night, everyone. We love you. We love you guys.